Good morning and welcome everyone. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is Positively Different Radio in the Morning with The Breakfast Show and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning Lyle. Morning Mon, what are you grateful for this morning? Oh, I am super grateful for leftovers. <laughs> I got a fridge for the leftovers. I've been eating it for breakfast, lunch and dinner and it's so great not having to cook at all. And I'm grateful for my dog who is a moron. <laughs> but I love him. How dare you and say things like me. that about him on the radio? Oh, I say I, I tell him he's a moron every day in a very pleasant voice, and he loves me, and he wags his tail, and he thinks it's the greatest thing, and it's like the best compliment he's had all day. Everything is his favourite thing to do. <laughs> yeah. He throws his ball; that's his favourite thing to do. Take him for a walk; it's his favourite thing to do. Take him for a ride in the back of the Ute; that's definitely his favourite thing to do. <laughs> Give him some food; <laughs> it's his favourite thing to do. Absolutely, he nearly bit my leg off this morning because I gave him some food and then stepped too close to him. Oh, really? Mm, oh, don't territorial. Come, don't come between a dog and his food. Yeah, true story. My parents always told me that, like, no matter how friendly the dog is, don't ever touch it when it's eating because it might not like you. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good day. It's a good day to be grateful. It's a beautiful sunny day outside, or is it? Yeah. Maybe it's not a beautiful sunny day because. Hopefully it's raining. Hopefully it is raining. But we're looking outside right now and the sunshine is golden and it's just streaming through our studio window. However, we, we are recording this a day early or maybe a well, week early. Who knows? Never know. it's, it's, it's now Thursday, the 9th of August, when we're making this recording. This is the delayed broadcast yes. that you are listening to. You need to get with the times, people. Uh-huh. Listen to the live show, faithfm.com.au or via the TuneIn app. Works so much better anyway. That's right. Jump across to that live show. You could win the prize for the quiz. We have a daily quiz. It got snapped up pretty quick this morning. People are getting pretty fast on that. It's gaining traction. And, of course, we have the giveaway at the end of the show. And you know, today we have a really great show, Oh, actually. question of the day today. Question of the day was just so ridiculously question amazing. Question of the day took over today. Someone sent us a big, fat question with lots and lots of Bible verses. And we looked at that and we thought it'll take us weeks if we just do it for our our brief question of the day segment. We're going to have to do a whole Bible study on it. So we did encounter part one on question of the day. We did encounter part two on question of the day. We did encounter part three on question of the day. And we did question of the day on question of the day. And it was great. And you are going to love today's show. We, we conquered that question. Yes. Uh, a we, pastor challenged us. Yes. Claimed that he'd found some in. pastor... Claimed that he had found some verses that teach that you go to heaven when you die. Mm. Well, don't you go to heaven when you die, Lyle? Nope. What? Go to heaven at the resurrection when Jesus comes back. Aye. Yeah, you got to stay tuned to find out the answer and to Aye. find out why that is so in the Bible. We go for a little excavate through the Bible to find out all these verses and read them all. It was great. Anyway, stay tuned. That was from a delayed listener as well. Oh, Send there you go. Yeah. Do you know what? If you're a delayed listener, it doesn't matter. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Ask us your questions. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Bring forth. strong and 
Anthem Lights with the Crown Melody here on Faith FM. And as we begin into our day, Mon. It's time to kickstart our brains. We have a new quiz. <laughs> it is a hot quiz. It's a who am I quiz. And guess what? The first two clues are already on Instagram and Lyle doesn't know the answer. Yes. Double prizes if you can beat me to it. Okay, who am I? The first clue. I said this. Our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and earth below. I got it. 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 I'm going to test you when the song's on. Yeah, okay. Just in case you haven't got it. It's possible I don't have it. Give us a call if you know the answer. 90% there. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Give us a bell. We'll send you the prize. And if Lyle's wrong, we'll send you two prizes. Lyle, I've got some good news for you. You'll send two prizes just because I'm wrong. No, because they get it before you got it. Okay, that's right then. Yeah, that's that's the standing yeah. offer. Get it before right. I'll get to get two prizes. Okay, so do you remember, um, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe like a couple of months now, um, I actually told a bit of a sad story about how the, the great um, northern white rhinos are functionally extinct. Mm-hmm. And we were all pretty sad because like the last functional one had died. Mm-hmm. And uh, guess what? What? Amazing news coming out no. of what we thought was a dead end. Mm-hmm. So uh, – they are still certainly functionally extinct, um, but they've had a revolutionary scientific breakthrough. Would you believe an international team of scientists has successfully created the first ever test tube rhino embryos? Oh, cool. And yeah. the white ones? Yeah, from uh, southern white rhino eggs and northern white rhino sperm. And uh, they're using this to assist reproduction techniques. So we might actually... So we may be able to bring them back. May have a chance. I feel like this is like you know, our last ditch effort to... Hey, do you know you can clone your pets now? Are you serious? Yeah, you've got a career. You can clone your pets. If your pet dies, you can clone it and have another one the same. In Korea? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. It's very expensive apparently, but um, yeah. Sure. That I service feel like, is now available. I feel like version 2.0 would have a couple of defects. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 you would worry about the defects and, and it would also just be a bit weird having yeah. the same pet. It's like this one is the same as the last one. Obviously, it's going to be different because it's going to have different environmental factors that are affecting it. Uh-huh. It's going to have a different personality as a result of that, but it's going but to it, start off more or less as the, isn't that, the but same. But isn't that why they do it? Because they want the same personality? Yeah, but that's, the just, that, that's just weird, isn't it? Yeah, and also like the animal won't have the same it's memories. Not, it's not the same. No, 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 of course not. Because it's not like a brain transplant. And no, it's, it's going to continue have, existing. It's going to be, be, be raised in a totally different environment. Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to be the same animal. It's just going to look like the same animal. So you look at your pet and think, oh, there's my pet. And it's like, actually, it's not. Yeah. That'd just be weird. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. Can we not do that, I mean, what if, you, uh, what if your spouse died and you went and cloned them and uh, no. had another one? No, and then But then the next one was just different. Okay, listeners, let's just all make an agreement. We are not going to do this, all right? Let's just all agree <laughs> to not clone our pets because there are better things to do with your money <laughs> no, this is very true. than clone pets. Like, for example, charity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Feeding human beings. Yes, yes. We've got, you know, we've got crisis with our own farmers here in Australia. Not, not, we don't need to go cloning pets. You can go to the RSPCA and rescue a pet for a lot cheaper and uh, than it would be to And it will love you to death. Oh, rescue pets. That's just the most loving pets. Anyway, let me tell you a little bit more about this uh, test tube rhino baby, which I'm, I'm actually really excited about this. It so is this, very cool. This is the first in vitro, in vitro produced rhinoceros embryos ever, mm-hmm. and they have a very high chance to establish a pregnancy once implanted into a surrogate mother. Cool. This is uh, Professor Thomas Hildebrandt of the German and who, and who said virgin births were so hard? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so many people don't believe in Jesus because like, oh, yeah, no, virgin births are impossible. It's like, we do them all the time. What are you talking about? If we can do them, how do you think that it's yeah. difficult for God to do that? Yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly right. They do it to animals all the time. So this team has successfully managed to adapt uh, reproduction techniques used in horses who are constantly doing uh, virgin births yeah. um, to the special circumstances of the rhino species. Uh, and this is, it's really opened up the potential to bring back rhinos from the brink of <coughs> extinction. And, um, you know, this would be achieved by adopting the pro- procedure, which is pioneered, um, you know, through other species. Uh, and, and if it works, like, it's not just the rhinos, it could help, it could help, like, all the species that are closely related to rhinos. Mm-hmm. So this is really cool. This, and, you know, they collected um, the necessary ingredients, so to speak, from different uh, rhinos in European zoos. And then they all sent them over to Germany where this is being done. So this is really cool. Good on you, Germany, for um, bringing back the rhinos. Mm. Do you know, I'm re- every time I see a panda, I get so happy that China really put a lot of effort into bringing pandas back from extinction. And they're now like no longer on any sort of watch list. They're like, they're good. They're set. So I really hope that they do this for the rhinos too. Yeah, absolutely. Rhinos are hilarious animals. Oh, they're the best. Got tank on legs. <laughs> so much fun. Rhinos and hippos. I think they. Uh, yeah. They sort of. Yeah. Those, those those two critters are um, definitely uh, unique and unlike creatures. anything else. Yeah, that's right. They're yeah. just so weird. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you know, I, Lyle, I'm so disappointed with myself. I woke up in the middle of the night and I had had the craziest dream. And the first thing I thought to myself was, oh, man, I can't wait to go on the radio tomorrow morning and share that with everyone. I can't remember a thing. <laughs> actually, I can, remember, I can remember little snippets. I can remember, like, there was an armadillo and it was a long, stretched-out armadillo. I'm um, glad you can't remember it. You know why? Because they're usually not that interesting. Yeah, the only dreams I ever find interesting are my own. Yeah, it's true. 
And start but, telling them to someone else and it's like... Mm. I do remember one point in my dream was that I was trying to escape from people and so to escape, I turned myself into a pen. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great dream. That's the only thing I can remember. Anyway, I have some news what, about have churches. You been, what, have you been eating? It's those leftovers. They're already contaminated. Um, okay, churches in the UK, five and a half thousand of them, right, of all denominations have embraced, and this is very interesting, um, The shift they've embraced the shift to renewable energy, Lyle. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so according to UK charity Christian Aid, thousands of Catholic, Baptist, Quaker, and Methodist church are sourcing 100% of their energy needs through um, uh, green methods. So <coughs> You've seen what's on the roof of our office block here, right? Yes, yes. We, so we, we are producing so much solar electricity here at the uh, conference office of North New South where Wales. We, where that, our studio uh, is. We're just, we're just smashing. Yeah, well, the average British church spends roughly uh, $1,300. Um, uh, sorry, one thousand pounds, which is about one thousand five hundred, probably not American. Uh, so, on electricity every year, and so by sourcing all their energy needs through wind and solar, uh, the religious collective is diverting roughly six and a half million dollars um, from f- away from fossil fuels and from green renewable sources. So that's that's actually not you know each little individual church. You wouldn't think like one and a half grand is all that much for a year, mm-hmm. but when they all pull together and they all you know do their bit. Six and a half million is nothing to be, you know, snipped at. And uh, and this is interesting. The Bishop of Salisbury and the Church of England's lead bishop on the environment, his name is Nicholas Holtham, he said this. He said, climate change is one of the great moral challenges of our time. And so it's fantastic to see churches doing their bit to ensure they reduce their impact on the environment. Isn't that interesting that they claim it as a moral thing? <coughs> I think it's largely been driven by economics here in Australia as well. I mean, people just can't afford to pay their electricity bill and they look at the price of solar and they're like, yeah, you know what, that's going to pay itself off real fast Is the moment I put that on my roof. Yeah, well, he said and climate... I don't have to have worry about having an electricity bill again. He said climate change is an enormous injustice and is hurting the poor first and worst. Switching to responsible sources for electricity may seem like a small thing on its own, but when joined together, it can make a real difference. So they're yeah. looking at the yep. cause and effect, like all the way through, yep. you know, and I think that's great, but I, I do think, I don't know, I'm a little bit concerned that they're like pegging the whole thing as a moral issue. I don't know. How, what do you think about that? I think that... Um, you know, well, I can only speak for here in Australia. Here in Australia, it's definitely an economic issue. You know, because I, I, I rent a house, mm-hmm. and you know, this is one of the problems with people in rentals is that they uh, are not in a position to look at alternative um, energy sources. They don't have that opportunity because you can't invest in somebody else's property. But um, yeah, it's 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 something that um, yeah. It, we should do on a, from a moral perspective. It should be a moral issue. Yeah, I mean, he says this is a we do as part of the church's giving and good stewardship and taking care of the world God has created. So I'm interested to know what people think. Give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM. Do you think environmental issues is moral? Thank you.
You were listening to Matt and Josie Minicus with a little Sparrow Sum. And by the way, we're planning to get those guys on for an interview coming up sometime soon. Ooh, how yeah, cool. all the way from the United States. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't know they were local, but I guess they're super not local. They are super not local. That's great. I'm so excited. But, I hope we get them um, Yeah, soon. incredibly talented duo. Uh, speaking of talented, Lyle definitely knows the answer to yeah, the quiz. Yeah, I got it. I know. But, <laughs> but you, Chance for two prizes is gone. over. It but is you gone. can still get a prize and uh, and we will send you one. If you can tell us, who am I? My name is found in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, but not in Luke's genealogy. Mm. There you go. Who is that? Who be that? Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Yes, this person was a person of... Somewhat ill repute. Yep, stop right there. Let's not go any further. Mm-hmm. What have you got going on today, Lyle? Okay, so we've got a whole bunch of uh, things happening in the news today. Of course, there was an earthquake in Adelaide and another one in Western Australia. Uh, what? Yeah. I had no idea. It's because you didn't listen to the news this morning, did you? I'm listening to the news right now. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, I don't need to listen to the news. Lyle's going to tell me the news when he gets... He's going to tell it to me live. Okay, so, but they're only small ones. Um, Did everyone feel them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the one in, in, in Adelaide lasted for about 10 seconds and, and uh, one person said that their cat ran under the bed and hasn't come out since. Oh, poor kitty. Sounded like a train going past. Kind of really? Shook the house, rattled the windows. Darn it. You, know, you and I, we both have this weird goal that we would like to experience a little harmless earthquake just to see what it feels like, right? Yeah. And I feel like I keep missing them just by a little bit. Like, I'm a West Australian. How come West Australia has to go have an earthquake while I'm not there? Uh, you know, it's just the it's way it is. conspiracy against it. me. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. know yeah. it. And, of course, this is um, on the heels of, uh, you know, we, we think about that big earthquake that hit in Lombok. Yeah. Or two terrible. big earthquakes in Lombok, and the second one being much bigger than the first one. And the death toll there, of course, has now gone up to 131 dead oh. with 156,000 people displaced or homeless. Oh, no. And 150 Australians still stranded on the islands off Lombok. That's so tragic. Um, but the, uh, the, the, the the tour operators are calling for tourists to come back mm-hmm. because it's the only way that the economy is yeah. going to be revived. Yeah. And so that's something that we need to con- take into consideration is that, you know, sometimes these disaster areas, we just give them a very wide berth for a year or two um, and people starve as a result. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, it's good not to change your travel plans just because there's been an earthquake or two earthquakes, it's unlikely that there'll be three big ones in a row. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and it should be relatively stable there now for, you know, for some time to come because, you know, the pressure has has been released, mm-hmm. we hope, God willing. And, uh, yeah, we just need to keep these people in our prayers. They, they, they still found some survivors yesterday. It's possible to find survivors today. Yeah. But um, we, need to, we need to keep them in our prayers. And there's still um, quite a few people that are missing there in Lombok. And, of course, this is a sign of the times. We've talked about this a number of times. Yeah. And the increase in the frequency of earthquakes and the severity of earthquakes is really quite startling and dramatic when you look at it on a graph, particularly when you look at the big quakes mm-hmm. and you look at the number of people that have been affected by earthquakes. 
And yeah, it's exactly what the Bible prophesied. Exactly what the Bible, you know, predicted <laughs> yeah, that's right. happen. The Bible says before the return of Jesus, there will be you know wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes and pestilences in diverse places. The Bible says that these things would all be happening happening simultaneously, and the Bible says that they would be increasing in regularity and increasing in severity. Mm-hmm. And you can put any of the signs of the times, and there are lots of other ones as well, on a graph. They're all going to make that very sharp J curve, mm-hmm. uh, particularly over the last thirty years or so. Yeah. It's so, it, just uh, tell me about these uh, earthquakes here in Australia. Was there like any damage? People uh-huh. injured? Just no, just a little, little wiggle. Just a little wiggle, bit of curiosity, and people uh-huh. like, oh, that was an earthquake. How cool! No, I mean, praise so the Lord. This is the one I want to be in. You know, I want to yeah, be in that one. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. The ground is shaking. What's that? Ooh, that's an earthquake. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I think about all these earthquakes, and like you said, the J curve <coughs> on the graph, and and what the Bible says about that. You know how the Bible says the world will grow old. Um, like an old garment, so to speak. And I always, every time I, I hear that verse, and every time I hear about earthquakes and this kind of stuff happening around the world, I do think of like you know my favorite jumper, which is starting to get holes here and getting threadbare there, and it's got stains and stuff. And it's you know it's, it's like it's had a few earthquake it's earthquakes itself. Mm-hmm. You know we need to understand that it's going to fall apart in the end. Like we can't sustain it, and we need Jesus to come back. Yeah. So yeah. Indeed. Okay, of course, Boris Johnson is in the news and has not been out of the news since he made some comments about uh, women who wear burqas and comparing them to bank robbers. What is your opinion on burqas, Mon? Of course, Boris Johnson, the uh, former secretary, foreign secretary for um, the United Kingdom. <laughs> See, Theresa May is kind of, you know, she's stepped back from a bit. There are conservative uh, parliamentary candidates who are calling for his resignation. This was in a newspaper article. Oh, come on now. Um, because it's offended, um, you know. But you, you can't hide the fact should we, should we, should that we? sticking something <laughs> over your head, which only exposes your eyes, could both be uh, pegged as being a burqa or being a balaclava. You can't, you can't deny the fact that they cover the same amount of skin and leave the same amount of skin, you know, uh, exposed. And so it's it's silly to sort of turn a blind eye to the fact that they do have the same sort of style, burgers okay. and balaclavas. All right. Yeah. And, but do, do, to me, it sort of depends is it, on, is it, is it, is on it, how is it a, he... Is it a bit of a jab, though, when, he, uh, when, when, a, when a, a prominent politician uh, makes that comparison? It, I guess is it stereotyping? It's know, not Islamic, untrue what is, he is said. Stereotyping Islamic women as being um, a bunch of bank robbers. I've never heard uh, any it like Islamic women being described as burglars because it's to me it's usually you know well it is about the action that's the, the, what they're doing right. Mm, sure. Are they robbing banks or are they not? But um, you know you can't deny the fact that they it does the style is the same. But to me it depends on what his purpose was. Why was he saying it? How was he saying it? Was he mocking them? You know, and that's unkind. Yeah, and is this is this Islamophobia? Yeah, yeah, that's or right. Or is it promoting Islamophobia? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's more where I'd be more concerned about what he's comments. But on the were. bigger issue, you know, some countries have banned the burqa. Mm-hmm. Should we ban the burqa here in Australia? I think people should be free to wear what they want to wear, but I also don't agree with the burqa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll support their rights to wear one. I, I find the I find the burqa offensive personally. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, there's a bigger principle here, and that is the principle of religious liberty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And it I is offensive to men. I would, I'd probably be more offended if I was a man because of what it 
the message it says. Yeah, the message it says to the men is that they're a bunch of um, uncontrolled pigs, uncontrollable basically. pigs. Yeah, yeah. 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 and so they can't control very, themselves very if they see a woman. Yeah, and um, which is which is a terrible thing. So it's super disrespectful it, to it, say it, to a man. It, it says to men that you know if they see a woman's face, that then they're just impelled to go and rape yeah, her. Yeah, they or something see or her other. ankle. They're gonna end up in a sexual frenzy. This or is something. this is um, this is you know the burqa is is the extreme end of rape culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the woman gets the blame for men's bad behaviour yeah, and is therefore forced to cover up the beauty that God gave to her. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a very, very dangerous path to go down. Yeah, and it messes up men's heads because if we look at, um, was it called a 1040 window? Mm-hmm. Like the places where women are forced to wear these things is often, or what they choose to wear them, either which way. These are the most dangerous countries the in the world for women. for women to yeah. be. And so, yeah. you know, if we've seen the Me Too movement, but there's been another, a second Me Too that's come after it and it's come from um, these cultures where they where they cover up. And, um, and so there's a second sort of like a sub me too subculture me too and they've started to have this voice where they're saying yeah and like a lot of them say that they don't go to they don't go to that pilgrimage anymore mm-hmm. to mecca because they get there and it's basically like a, a week-long harassment you know and men just like slide their hands under and just do what they want and it's uh, really disgraceful so it's a terrible thing to to do to men i think yeah, and and, the, and and you know you would expect that okay because the the whole idea behind it is if you cover women up then men won't be tempted and yet the reality is that within burqa countries um, women are uh, are harassed and abused at sixteen times the mm. rate mm-hmm. of countries where women are free to uh, dress according to their own. Men are going to be tempted conscience. no matter what. All you have to do is exist. Everybody gets tempted. Yeah. Because you exist. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Not just guys men. are going to yeah, want yeah. you. Go, go, go easy on us, man. No. But um, yeah, everybody gets tempted, but in different ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what it comes down to is men being men mm-hmm. and exercising self-control right. regardless of what is going on because it is never a woman's fault when she is harassed regardless of what she is wearing. Mm-hmm. A man needs to man up and take responsibility for his own actions and he needs to call on the power of God if he's, you know, suffering from temptation and feels like he can't get over it. Anyway. Give us a call if you have yes, an opinion. love to hear your opinion on this one. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming
precious blood, precious blood. Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face, clothed then in blood-washed linen. How I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Take my ransom soul away. Send thine angels now to carry me to realms of endless day. Welcome back, everybody, and good morning to our listeners across the Hunter region, across Australia, um, and also good morning to Pastor David Stojic, our regular contributor. Uh, Pastor David is the founder of 4D Living Lifestyle Health Clinic, a charity that promotes holistic health and includes all four aspects of physical, mental, and spiritual health. Now, David, yesterday we started talking about the topic of suicide. Uh, Mental health issues affect everyone. Uh, regardless of whether they subscribe to any faith or not, it affects Christians as well. And as we've said, you know, the church in the past has not always dealt well with the issue of suicide. There's been a lot of stigma, and probably still is. You're right. You're right. Uh, just recently, I have been counselling someone who has been going through a grie- grieving process. Uh, actually, it was a marriage breakdown. Uh, who had been suicidal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was brought up in a traditional church with the knowledge of God, but did not practice his religion like most people in this country. And this is what he told me. He was on the brink of suicide. He was planning it. And you know, when, whenever you have somebody not just thinking about it, but planning about it, that's, it's mm-hmm. really a notch yeah. about it. It's, it's very serious. So he was planning it, and uh, he was planning how to do it. He went to his garage to do it, and uh, he said, out of nowhere, uh, a friend of mine turned up. Uh, it wasn't somebody who was actually visiting him on a regular basis, but he was a friend. And, and, um, and his friend talked him uh, out of it and, and talked him into seeking help. And, mm. um, and a few months later, he feels much better. There's a testimony to the are you okay? That's absolutely yeah. so. But there is, there is a point I'm actually trying to make here is, you know, uh, uh, he, he told me that if it wasn't for his faith in God and because he feared 
uh, he would be forever tormented <laughs> in hell mm-hmm. if he committed suicide. He would have most likely done it uh, when he was at his lowest point a few months ago. Mm. Now, now, uh, Lyle, we thank God. I'm sure both of us can agree. Absolutely. We thank God that he feels much better. We, we are grateful that his faith in God helped him. But as you can see, as you can tell, his <laughs> theological understanding or misunderstanding has been passed down through his traditional church, where those who commit suicide automatically go to hell. You see, I mean, very happy, very mm, happy mm. that actually even that erroneous thought uh, um, kept him from doing it. Sure. But obviously, that is a thought that was in his mind that if somebody commits suicide, that automatically they go to hell and they'll be tormented forever and ever. So, so that kind of belief is present even today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and historically, of course, the Christian church didn't fully understand the mental health aspect of you know suicide and, and, and where a lot of people are at when they commit suicide. And those who committed suicide, you know, due to being depressed, were considered you know eternally doomed. Their families weren't allowed to bury them with the rest of their families in cemeteries. You know, they weren't allowed to put them into uh, into sacred ground, so to speak. The family of the person who committed suicide. Um, was you know often stigmatized and ostracized. Um, it was only relatively, I guess, recently in the last hundred years or so, with an increased understanding of mental health issues, that the attitude of the Christian church has largely changed on this issue. Um, that's right, and there is some valid, uh, you know, having said this, uh, we mustn't throw the baby <laughs> with the bathwater. There are mm. some valid theological or biblical reasons as to why a Christian church has always viewed suicide as a grave sin. And sure, when yeah. we talk about <clears throat> sin, uh, I need to, to kind of um, repeat what we've said last time. Sin is not a popular wor- word in our society. No, People not at don't all. understand. But sin, actually, as we know it, uh, really means missing the mark. Mm. Uh, God has, for us, the mark, the best in life. But when we depart from that best, uh, from his plan to give us this abundant life, then, then we are missing that mark and we are sinning. So, so uh, these, these, are, these are some of the reasons why the church considered uh, suicide as the grave sin. Mm. Uh, because, number one, it was considered as self-idolatry. What does that mean? What is an idol? Something that you put... <laughs> Above God. above God, above God. So self idolatry, basically, uh, the, the sin of suicide, missing the mark in life, committing suicide, is considered a self idolatry because God is the author of life. Mm-hmm. He is the one who gives life, and as as is, we always believed, you know, He is the one who takes life. Yeah, and yeah, so all, if sure. all of a sudden I take my life. You know, I'm putting myself above above. Yeah, you're God. saying that your life does not belong to God, it belongs to you. That's right. And yeah. so that's why it was considered a self-idolatry. And the other reason, which we might have mentioned, uh, you know, uh, last time, was that, that uh, when people commit suicide, you know, uh, is that there is no time for repentance. There is no mm. another chance for repentance. So, so for this reason, if people committed some other sin, you know, in life, there was a chance, there was a, an opportunity to repent. When people committed suicide, that's it. We, even on that, though, we don't always know because, you know, when a person dies, 
they may not die, you know, instantly, and the brain continues to. Re- well, how are we to judge whether a person has repented and that's or not? Very, and that's very valid. Uh, yeah, uh, that's very valid. But generally speaking, <coughs> you know, yeah. generally yeah, speaking, of, that yeah. was that was what that was the that was the opinion mm. that was the considered opinion of theologians and ethicists uh, there. It's interesting because I was watching a um, one of these YouTube YouTube. Uh, videos that does the rounds over and over and over again of a man who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. Yeah, and he was just sharing in his testimony that he regretted that as soon as his feet and left. Every the bridge. single person who ever jumped off the bridge and survived regretted that regretted it the moment their feet left. That's right. And so to say that a person you know is uh, never has the opportunity for repentance, you know, that's let's let's God worry about that. That's right. Yeah, that's because right. he obviously repented, you know, on his way down, but, uh, <laughs> and then survived. Praise God for that. That's right. Okay, now the Bible talks about suicide both directly and indirectly. Um, And I I want to just give a couple of examples of this. And so you've got um, Saul, who was the first king of Israel. That's right. It seems that um, he was really destined to die because um, the Bible says that um, he committed suicide by falling on his sword after he was wounded. The Bible also says that the Lord killed Saul. Saul, That's in 1 Chronicles 10, verse 14. In 2 Samuel 1.10, the Bible says that an Amalekite killed Saul. And in 2 Samuel 21, verse 12, says the Philistines killed Saul. I'm wondering which one is correct right here. It's like this guy was just not going to come out of this battle alive, was he? Yes, that's that's right. But and generally was, speaking, that phrase, fallen on his sword, yeah. comes from this very text of the Bible that actually he committed suicide. Yes, yes, that's right. Because and, his, and, and, his and armor bearer that, yeah. wasn't prepared to actually kill him. Yeah. Um, now then you've got Saul's armor bearer who wasn't prepared to kill Saul. That's right. But he did commit suicide himself, the Bible says, by falling on his sword. And you'd have to be in a really desperate situation to That's do something right. like that. That's just very, very true. really horrific. Um, then you've got Ahithophel, Ahithophel. Sorry, He was a counsellor to David and Absalom. That's right. And when he went to Absalom with counsel and Absalom rejected his counsel, he recognised that, you know, for him... His time on this earth was very, very short because this was not going to go well for Absalom, whom he had sided with, and he went and hung himself. That's right. Um, then you got Zimri. Now, Zimri was a, uh, a king of Israel who um, didn't reign for very long. That's right. Um, fifth king of Israel, and when he was deposed... Um, he went into, I think it was the palace, and, That's right, and, and burned, burned, himself. burned it on top of himself. Yes. Um, and then, of course, the most famous suicide you have in all of the Bible is Judas Iscariot, uh, one of the 12 apostles, um, committed suicide after betraying Jesus, the Son of God. You That's know? right. So, so the Bible, obviously, uh, you know, the suicide is not strange to, to, to the Bible. No, this, That's is, right. this is here in the Bible, and, and, right. and, it, and the Bible does take it very, very seriously. That's right, uh, but but it's very important when we when we are talking about the suicide in the Bible actually to look at the at the context and 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 what the Bible actually how the Bible portrays those people who committed suicide. So uh, all of the biblical uh, example of suicides, interestingly, are men. Mm. You know, which kind of is some, somewhat consistent with the with the um, with the actually uh, uh, statistics that uh, women uh, actually. Uh, 
try suicide but succeed about four times less than men. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then all all of these examples in the Bible, you know, are of the people that are not exactly praised for their actions and uh, and always spiritually bankrupt uh, and went through a period of spiritual collapse when, when they committed suicide. So so scripturally generally presents these examples of suicide as a fitting end of a wicked mm-hmm. and unrepentant life. Yes, indeed. So we're going to uh, take a break at this particular point. We've got uh, some great music coming up, so stay tuned. We've got David coming back to talk about more about um, the issue of suicide and what we can actually do to help people who might be struggling with suicidal thoughts. So stay tuned and we'll be back in just a moment right after this. Morning by morning I wake up to find the power and comfort of God's hand in mine. Season by season, I watch Him amazed in awe of the mystery of His perfect ways. All I have need of His hand
So welcome back, everybody. Um, we've been talking about suicide this morning with David Stojic, uh, who is the uh, creator of 4D Living. And so if you'd like to get in contact with David to, to, to learn more about the programs that he runs, just give us a call here at Faith FM on 1-800-324-843. We would love to connect you with David. And, of course, he's in the uh, Newcastle, uh, Central Coast, Hunter region, anywhere within that area. You'll be able to um, get in contact with David. But moving on with our... Um, what we've been talking about, we've been talking about suicide in the Bible. Is it safe to conclude that from the biblical Christian perspective, suicide is wrong and should not be contemplated, encouraged, or allowed? Um, we need to look for other ways of dealing with loss, pain, suffering, physical, mental, social, and spiritual health? That's right. So, so as, as uh, you just asked, uh, and we mentioned this, from the Christian perspective, suicide is wrong. It's sin. It's missing the mark. Mm. And and yes, we need to look uh, at better ways of dealing with loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, loss usually leads to, 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 to grief. Grief, well, always mm-hmm. leads to, it mostly leads to, uh, leads to depression uh, and so on and so on. So let me elaborate on some reasons from the scriptural perspective why suicide is wrong. Uh, it's kind of interesting that even though it was put forward as unpardonable sin by many people, suicide is not unpardonable sin based on the Bible because we know what the Bible says is unpardonable sin. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the blasphemy, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Bible's it's, clear on that. It's attributing uh, the work of God to the devil, so mm, to say. Mm, mm. Uh, and and uh, but, but suicide does not fall into the category biblically into unpardonable sin because God knows. God knows. The Bible says that when God makes up his book, you know, yes. in other words, his, his, his book of life is his book of judgment. That's he right. takes into account where a person is. In other words, the circumstances a person is in that is a that is a point of supreme importance yeah. and and because with most people who commit suicide uh, the, the ability to make balanced decisions has been already impaired mm-hmm. and, and and they're heavily depressed and so on and so on so god does not just look at one point in life god looks at the at the at the whole life god looks at the direction of our life mm-hmm. uh, you know and god is gracious and, and and merciful and judgment belongs to him yeah, yeah but, but but if somebody is sick and ill and does something because their ability and their mind is darkened. I, I do not personally believe that God is mm. going to, to, mm. to judge them for being sick, uh, but that's just my personal opinion. So, so here are some other reasons. Suicide is against God as the creator and sustainer of life. As we mentioned already, it's, it's a form of, 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 uh, you know, of, of self-idolatry. Uh, it rejects God's sovereignty and usurps uh, usurps his prerogative in regard to life and death. You know, he's the one who uh, Job says he gives life and and gives breath to every every uh, creature. Mm, you know, absolutely. in Job twelve ten, and verse ten, uh, suicide is violation of the sixth commandment, which says, "Do not kill." Oh, uh, yeah, uh-huh. do not do not kill. Uh, suicide disregards the image of God and the sanctity of human life. In Genesis uh, chapter one, verses twenty six and twenty seven, we are told that we are created in God's image. Uh, suicide is poor stewardship of one's body. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, we, we've been told, and we quoted that, that verse yesterday, last time, 
that basically we don't belong to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Our bodies belong to God. Yes. We are the stewards of it. <coughs> so, and our uh, body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you don't right. go and, and uh, you know, it would be sinful to put a bomb inside the temple, and it would be sinful to do the same thing to ourselves. Exactly. And so also suicide demonstrates misdirected love and is injurious to others. Uh, that, that's, that's something people, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, uh, they think they love themselves, uh, you know, like mm. when they commit suicide, you know, like, well, I can't go through this misery and suffering and I'll, you know, because I don't want to any longer. That's kind of almost like a form of self-love, mm-hmm. you know, and, and but also they injure and hurt tremendously other people around them. Mm. And then uh, suicide overlooks, and this is, this is huge, uh, um, Lyle, suicide overlooks the value of human suffering. Now, do you want to suffer? I don't want to suffer, but it, it, but in essence, the Bible tells us that suffering can be used by God mm. to refine us, to, to 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 create better people out of us. Um, in in Romans eight seventeen, believers are called to suffer in Christ. Um, the present life is not one of earthly glory and, 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 and conquest. Believers are called to have joy and hope in the midst of current trials, looking forward to the age to come. Absolutely. So, so suffering, we must never disregard this uh, suffering as a tool in the hands of God. Mm. Uh, suicide fails to recognize the unnatural nature of death. Uh, you know, really, if I can take... We were born for... We were created for life. That's right. Death is an enemy. That's right. And then... Uh, it's almost like giving yourself over to the enemy, isn't it? That's right. And ultimately, uh, if anybody on this earth uh, was was suffering, it was Christ. Mm. But he refused to commit suicide when Satan said to him, hey, Lucifer said to him, jump of this of this temple, you know, to prove something. Yeah, yeah. You know, he said no. And, and, and Paul, Apostle Paul, you know how many times he was shipwrecked? How many times he was... Oh. Beaten, oh my! You know how much um, remarkable. How much suffering he he, yeah, he encountered, yeah. and this man actually refused to take his own life. Uh, he embraced suffering, and then you've got the situation of you know Paul and Silas in the um, in the prison there, where the the, the jailer is about to commit suicide, and that's Paul right. stops him like, "Don't." That's you right. Know? That's right. So so he he believes in life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when it comes to suicide, the stats are rather sobering. I remember you shared with us um, one time that according to uh, Beyond Blue in Australia, which is a not for profit organisation promoting mental health. That suicide, and I'm just quoting here, is the leading cause of death for Australians aged between 15 and 44. Um, and that's around 200 Australians attempt suicide every day. And of those, on average, eight will die. So that's right. Every, um, uh, yeah. um, every day, eight people in this country, this beautiful country. So what's the, what's the best way to minister to people? This is, these are large numbers. This means that we are going to be affected by this, and we're going to be affected by that more than once. So what's the best way that we can minister to people? Okay, so here are some, some, some things to keep in mind. Uh, we, we need to recognize the signs of suicide, which include talking about suicide, uh, statements about hopelessness, uh, I wish I wasn't here, uh, I'm born nobody, nothing, helplessness, worthlessness, preoccupation with death, sudden hap- and this is this is tricky. Mm. People may be uh, f- saying all of these things and all of a sudden they change their behavior and they have sudden happiness and calm. Now this is when they make a decision, many of them, this is only going to last for a bit longer, I'm going to take my life. Mm. You know, so, mm. so, um, and and uh, they, they can be, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
they can have loss of uh, uh, in material things completely loss of interest in material things disposal of material things i don't need any this any longer uh, visiting loved ones uh, like just like in their own mind that they're, they're saying goodbye to them uh, you know setting the, the affairs in order and so on and so on so what is the practical response to this when we have recognized these signs uh we need to ask pointed questions mm. if we suspect somebody is suicidal. Are you thinking of harming yourself? Have you been suicidal? Are you okay, as you said? Have you been yeah. planning about how you... This is a very important question. Have you been planning about how you would do it? You know, when people have planned it, they're in a very serious stage. Right. You know, then, then, then we need to persuade them even you know, even take them to get help. Uh, generally speaking, when, when they are at this stage where we estimate that, that, that they are about to do it, they should never be left alone. We, we, yep. we should enter into a contract. And get, and, get, and get professional help for them. Absolutely, straight away. We need to enter into a contract with them that they would, not, that they would contact uh, us uh, you know, if they attempted to harm themselves. But generally speaking, we shouldn't let them out of our sight or the sight of somebody who is close to them. Mm. And then we need to obviously refer them to, to, to available resources and stay involved in their life. Mm. But also, as Christian people, Lyle, uh, we need to point to gospel. Gos- the oh, gospel yes. itself is a response to the condition that lead many people to consider or attempt suicide. Uh, uh, this is my favorite verse, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, Jesus says, uh, all you who are weary and, and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Mm. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, he is the solution. Gospel is solution to all issues of human misery. Absolutely. And so true, Christianity acknowledges the emptiness and brokenness of the world and offers us hope and newness and abundant life. Um, Jesus shared in man's pain and suffering and provides redemption and restoration. We'll be back in just a moment.
easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh, yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.